0: Well, good Morning, I'm Pastor Steve, we are in a series in the book of Daniel, and encourage you to turn with me this morning to Daniel, as we are working our way through the book. We started out um, noting that Daniel is a prophet, meaning he brings a word from God to God's people, in this case, exiled Israelites. God had told Israel... If you obey me, I'll give you peace in the land. But if you disobey me, I will bring in a foreign invader who will take you captive. And that's what happened. And in 605 B.C., Daniel and some other uh, of the uh, leaders of the southern tribes of Israel, Judah, were taken captive by the Babylonians. Followed by a major exportation in 586 B.C. Throughout the book, Daniel does give the people a word from God. Some of that word talks about what's going to happen in the future. Much of which has been fulfilled. Some still waits of fulfillment. We also see glimpses into the life of Daniel. We saw in chapter 1 that God greatly used Daniel because he refused to compromise towards sin. and Then we saw in the first half of chapter 2... That sometimes God allows his people to go through insurmountable obstacles. But he does it for a purpose. And often as God's people go through impossible situations. God glorifies himself through his people. Well today in chapter 2 starting in verse 31 down through the end of the chapter. We're going to see that God also can use his people to draw attention toward himself. He can use his people to bring glory and magnify himself when his people are willing to talk with others about God's eternal plan. And we're going to see Daniel do just that. And Daniel is going to draw Nebuchadnezzar's attention, not to himself, but to God. I'm going to read this chapter uh, starting in chapter 2 of the book of Daniel, verse 31, down through the end. But before I do, just remember with me, in the first part of chapter 2, this Babylonian king, this guy named Nebuchadnezzar, was having drinks. He kept having the same dream over and over and he couldn't sleep. And so he called out throughout his kingdom and asked all these occult members, soothsayers and fortune tellers to come together and tell him what his dream meant. But he had an impossible twist to his request. He told them that they were not only to tell him what his dream meant. But he was, they were also to tell him what his dream was. They responded impossible. Nobody can do that. Except Daniel and his three friends prayed to God. And God revealed not only the meaning of the dream, but the dream itself to Daniel. And so as we pick up here in Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 31, Daniel is relaying the dream and its interpretation to King Nebuchadnezzar. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue, that statue, which was large and of an extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of the statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking at until a stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed all at the same time. It became like chaff from the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck that statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand and has caused you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. After you there will arise another kingdom inferior to you. Then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, as strong as iron. Inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things, so like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. In that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom. But it will have its toughness of iron. In as much as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery. So some of the kingdom will be strong. And part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay. They will combine with one another in the seed of men. But they will not adhere to one another. Even as iron does not combine with pottery. In the days of those kings. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. But it itself will endure forever. Forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. And that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So that the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel. And gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and says, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king. And he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Over the administration of the province of Babylon. While Daniel was at the king's court. We're going to see Daniel. Willing to take a risk. And speak to Nebuchadnezzar. And tell Nebuchadnezzar about God's plan. God's plan for the future. And in the process, Nebuchadnezzar's eyes, his mind, are going to be drawn, not to just Daniel, but to God himself, so that he will get a glimpse of who God is, and the authority of God, and the sovereignty of God, and the fact that God is working all of history toward a purpose, and that purpose will end in the Son of God, the Messiah, Reigning on David's throne forever and ever. Just as has been promised in the Old Testament. All because Daniel was willing to talk about God's plan. You know we live in a culture today. Where if you would ask people do you believe in God. A lot of people would say yes. But that question actually needs a follow up. And that question should be this, describe him. Because we live in a culture today where many people are wanting to design God as to how they feel he should be. On July 12th, this month, there was quite a phenomenon that happened across the country. Uh, We were out of town, but I saw it on the news. And it involved a company called Build-A-Bear. Now I wasn't familiar with that. But my wife knew all about Build-A-Bear. And on July 12th. The Build-A-Bear company announced. That you could build a bear for your child. And it would cost only the age of your child. So if you had a 3 year old. You could have a $3 Build-A-Bear. Well, the company didn't realize what would happen. But people flocked to this. People stood in line for over six hours. Wanting to build their own bear. For a fraction of the cost that it would normally be. Fortunately, I did not do that. (laughs) But you know, we live in a culture today. Where we want to design things to look How we think they should look. We want it to fit into our perspective. Of what it should be. And instead of designing or building a bear. Many people are in a sense trying to design God. Now praise to our Heavenly Father. That He does not change. Even though people try to design Him the way they think He should be. And so what we find here in Daniel is Daniel actually speaking truth to Nebuchadnezzar. And even if just for a glimpse, Nebuchadnezzar is drawn to actually see the true God in his attributes and his power and his splendor. The section begins in chapter two, verses 31 through 33. When Daniel does the impossible. He's going to tell Nebuchadnezzar. What his dream was. And then he will tell him. It's interpretation. And in the process we see. That God is the one. Who establishes world powers. God is the one who establishes world powers. As he's directing history. Notice with me. Daniel's relaying the dream to Nebuchadnezzar starting in verse 31 you O king were looking and behold there was a single great statue that statue which was large and of extraordinary splendor was standing in front of you and its appearance was awesome the head of the statue was made of fine gold its breast and its arms of silver its belly and its thighs of bronze its legs of iron its feet Partly of iron and partly of clay. And we have a little artist rendering. Of what that statue could have looked like. Notice the head of gold. And the chest of silver. And the thighs and the uh, stomach of bronze. And then the legs of iron. And then we'll see in the chapter as it unfolds. That the feet and toes are mixed of iron and clay and as Nebuchadnezzar saw an image that could have looked something like this he said he relayed or Daniel relayed to Nebuchadnezzar that it was of extraordinary splendor most likely the sun hitting all of those metals and just shining thank you for the the image so we find right from the beginning Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar this is what you saw. But he doesn't stop there. He's going to tell him what it means. And every section of that statue stood for a reigning people. In the book of Luke, chapter 21 verse 24, Luke records for us a reference to the times of the Gentiles. And what that means or what that refers to is the fact that from the moment that the Babylonians came in and took Judah captive. Remember the northern tribes had been taken over a hundred years prior in 722 BC. From that moment when Judah was taken captive the land of promise would be under Gentile control all the way until the day that Jesus Christ comes back to earth and sets up his kingdom. Genesis chapter 15 gives us the dimensions of the land that God promised to Israel. From the brook of Egypt all the way to the Euphrates. And from the time that that promise was made. There has never been a time when Israel has possessed all of that land. In fact now today Israel just possesses a little sliver of that land. I loved it in children's ministries here a few weeks ago. They compared the size of Israel to Iowa. And it's basically the corridor from from Iowa City up through Cedar Rapids. Up like through Decorah. Just a little sliver of Iowa. Well God's promise is that Israel one day will have from the brook of Egypt all the way to the Euphrates. But not until his program is complete. Up till then, that whole that region is controlled by Gentiles. And what Daniel reveals to Babylon is that God has shown who the peoples are that will be uh, ruling over that land of promise. Daniel begins in verse thirty-six and verse thirty-seven and thirty-eight to describe the head of gold of the statue. And right at the end of verse 38 it says you are the head of gold. So Babylon is the head of gold of the statue. And then he goes on in verse 39 to explain that the second and the third sections of the statue are the are the nations who would rule after Babylon. The Medes and Persians are the silver and then Greece would be the, the the belly and thighs. The bronze. We know that the Medes and the Persians. Took over Babylon in 539. And ruled till, ruled till 330. And we know that Alexander the Great. And his fantastic conquest from 334 uh, to 330. Uh, ushered in the Greeks rule over that. Oh really the worldwide rule. And then we know from, and that by the way, those nations are identified in Daniel chapter 8. We will get there. So Daniel 8 tells us that the next two sections of the statue are the Medes and Persians and then Greece. And then we know from from history and uh, from biblical history that the fourth kingdom. Started to be listed for us in verse forty is Rome. Verse forty says it's strong as iron; it will crush and break all to pieces. And then it gives us this unusual distinction that the legs are of iron, but the feet, the feet are mixture of, and toes are a mixture of iron and clay. And we will unwrap that. A little bit more in a few minutes. We also see that in Daniel telling Nebuchadnezzar of God's plan for history, that God is the one who is sovereignly in control. I wanted us to look deeper here at verse 37 and verse 38. This was the dream. Now we will tell you it's interpretation before the king. You are king. Are the king of kings. But then look what Daniel tells him. To whom the God of heaven. Has given the kingdom. The power. The strength. And the glory. Look down at verse 38. The second half of the verse says. He. Referring to God. Has given them into your hand. And has caused you to rule. Over them all. You see God is the one. Who establishes powers. Our sovereign. Heavenly father is the one. Who brings kingdoms to rise. And he sets kingdoms down. God. Is in absolute control. Of the world powers. And he is the one. Who directs the events. Of history. Barbara and I. Are. Have just started a new little project at home. We have some friends that live down the road from us. And they strongly encourage us to join them in raising monarch butterflies. And their house has been taken over with monarchs. We were over there the other night. And they have like three rooms with monarchs in them. And we just have one little uh, monarch enclosure But we're doing it just to build a relationship with them. Spend time with them. It's interesting though. And you look inside of that little enclosure. And those larvae are just thinking they are king of the hill. You know they have their milkweed leaf. And it's lush. And they're just living large. Just having a good time. Eating as much as they want whenever they want to. But unbeknownst to them. At any moment. An outside force. Me. Could just swoop in. And topple their world. I can take their leaf. I could take my little brush. I could flick them off. Onto another leaf. Before they knew what hit them. They think. They think that they are in absolute control. But they are not. And Nebuchadnezzar. And we will see as Daniel unfolds. Also thinks that he's in absolute control. But he's not. Because sovereign God is the one who lifts up nations and brings down nations. The New Testament tells us the same truth. In fact, the apostle Paul shares that same truth in Romans chapter 13. I'll read just a couple of verses out of Romans 13. When Paul says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. And we can look at that. And sometimes it's hard for me to understand. It's hard for all of us to understand. Like well how about a, a world force or a nation that does bad. Does God just lift up the good ones and not the bad ones. It's hard to make all those pieces of the puzzle fit together. But we know one thing for sure. 1 John chapter 3 verse 5 says that there's no sin in God. And I believe that the scriptures teach that God is in absolute control of all nations. And he raises some up and he brings some down. But he is orchestrating all of history toward a toward an end that he has planned the day when his one and only son messiah the anointed one the son of god jesus christ is going to sit on david's throne over god's kingdom forever and ever and we see as daniel unfolds the dream and its interpretation to nebuchadnezzar That God is the one who establishes world powers as he directs the events of history. Now as this continues to unfold, we see that history is going toward a point. In fact, in verses 34 and 35 and 44 and 45, we see that God is directing history toward establishing an eternal kingdom. Look with me in verse 34. Nebuchadnezzar finally has this dream explained to him. But now it even gets scarier. Verse 34. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands. And it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed. All at the same time. It became like chaff. From the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away. So that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue. Became a great mountain. And filled the whole earth. Now we know. And we are going to get there. In Daniel chapter 7. That this Stone that it was cut out without hands. Meaning it's not a human government. That's being talked about. This isn't anything man made. This is a stone cut without human hands. This stone we see in Daniel 7. Who destroys these other kingdoms. And ushers in an eternal kingdom. Is Messiah. And we'll get there. When we get to Daniel 7. But it's Messiah Who these verses are describing. It's Jesus Christ. Who these verses are describing. And we find. In verses. 44 and 45. That there is going to be. Still in the future. A revolt. Toward Messiah. Remember in the description. Of the fourth section. Of the statue. It said the legs were iron, tougher than any other kingdom. But then the verses go on and explain starting in verse 41. That the feet and toes were partly of potter's clay. And partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom. Verse 42. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron. And partly of pottery. So some of the kingdom will be strong. And part of it will be brittle. And then look at verse 44. Verse 44 tells us that these ten toes. Are ten kings. Verse 44. In the day of those kings. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. Now remember the toes and the feet are still part of the fourth section of the statue. We know to be Rome. So Bible teachers have concluded that the ten toes and the the feet. Are a revived Roman Empire that will exist Right before Messiah comes back and sets up his kingdom. That there will be a confederation of 10 nations that will join. Most likely the ethnicity of those nations would be made up of peoples. That originally made up the Roman Empire. We see this alluded to in the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation chapter 19. We see this picture of Jesus Christ. Coming back to earth. All the way to earth. To set up his kingdom. And a coalition standing against him. And in Revelation chapter 19. Starting the read in verse 15. We see that Jesus is the victor. From his mouth comes a sharp sword. So that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the wine press. Of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh. He is a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. And we know from the very next chapter. Chapter 20. that when Jesus Christ comes. And stands firm against these. these this confederation of kings. Who are joining to do battle against him. He will be the victor. And chapter 20 says. He will set up his kingdom reign. For a thousand years. Here on earth. So we find Daniel not only telling Nebuchadnezzar the dream and its interpretation, but he's telling Nebuchadnezzar that there is a future that God has planned, an eternal future, that God is directing all of history. You know, when we talk about future, when we talk about eternity, for some people that really strikes fear in them. But for God's people, for us today as Christians, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear eternity. We don't have to be afraid. Of God's plan. The author of the book of Hebrews. Reminds us of that. Because of what Jesus Christ. Has done on the cross. He has won victory. For those who have put their trust in him. And in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. It says therefore. Since the children share in flesh and blood. He himself. Referring to Jesus. Likewise also partook of the same. He took on a human body. That through death. He might render powerless him who had the power over death. That is the devil. And might free those who through fear of death. Were subject to slavery all their lives. The fear of death enslaves people. You know I have been a pastor now for over 30 years. And one of the fun parts of being a pastor is. Is being able, when I'm up front, to see all of you. One of the fun things is if somebody's trying to have a hard time staying awake. It's, you might be embarrassed, I just, I, I've been there. And it, I enjoy it. It, 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 it's, it. It's just kind of a fun little thing. Just to see how people are tracking, or if you know, if you've been working outside all day Saturday and then come sit in a warm room, it's really tough to stay awake. One of the interesting things is looking out on folks at a funeral. And I have noticed over all the years a marked difference between the congregation at a funeral where the person believed in Jesus and didn't believe in Jesus. It's always sad. It hurts. But when the person knew Jesus, there's still a sense, even though the pain is there and the hurt is there, there is still a sense of, of peace. But when people don't know Jesus Christ, you see it. You literally see it in the room. And there is a sense of fear and a sense of desperation that you don't see When you are standing in front of believers in Jesus Christ. It's a marked difference. And as believers in Jesus. Those of us who have come to a point in our life. Where we recognize that our sin separates us from God. And we can't fix that. And God loves us so much. That he sent Jesus to earth. Who took on humanity. So that he would be able to take the penalty. For our sin upon himself. By dying on the cross. And then he didn't stay dead. But rose again from the grave. Those of us who have put our trust in him. Who have... Transfer the dependence of our life off of ourselves thinking I can be a good enough person to be right with God and to put our dependence on the person of Jesus Christ believing that he is God trusting that he is God who died for me and rose again those of us who have done that there's no reason to fear even though we look around us my stars you watch the 530 news sometimes it's like what is going to happen in this world? I mean, we, it looks like we could be on the brink of nuclear disaster one day. And we, we look at some of the fanatical uh, tyrants throughout the world. And we can be praising. We can, be, we can have a sense of peace because we know this. God is the one. Who raises up nations. Who brings nations down. God is the one. Who actually is sovereignly in control. Of the events of history. And he is absolutely. Working history. Toward his end goal. When this stone. Cut without hands. The Messiah. Jesus Christ is going to come back to earth. And finally will set up. God's reign on earth. An eternal kingdom. Now as we look at the very end of this verse. Nebuchadnezzar has heard all of this. And he looks at Daniel. And at first it seems awkward to us. Because in verse 46. He falls in his face. And he does homage to Daniel. And, and we look at this. And why would Daniel accept that? In fact up in about. Verse 28, 29, 30, Daniel has done everything that he can to tell Nebuchadnezzar that God is the one who has given him the dream. God is the one who is in charge. And yet we know that Daniel also sees that when Nebuchadnezzar pays homage to Daniel, he's doing it out of seeing Daniel's God. Because in verse 47, this is what Nebuchadnezzar says. Surely your God is a God of God, gods, and a Lord of kings, a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. You see, because Daniel was willing to talk about what's ahead of us, because Daniel was willing to talk about God's plan for humanity, Nebuchadnezzar's eyes were drawn to God. The true God. Not some God that he had made up in his mind. The God. The God who is in absolute control. The God who is sovereignly directing the events of history. Toward his appointed day. When Jesus Christ will sit on David's throne forever and ever. Because Daniel was willing to simply reveal What God's plans are for eternity. My wife Barbara and I live about five, six miles from here, north of here, kind of near the edge of Toddville, Iowa. And usually I bring Interstate 380 down here to the church facility, but sometimes I just come the back way and I come down Center Point Road. I just, it's more relaxing. Well, those of you who are familiar with our area here in Cedar Rapids know that on Centerpoint Road, north of Boyson Road, there's a pond on the east side of Centerpoint Road. Usually, hundreds of geese there, and they go from that pond to the pond that's behind our house, and drive me nuts. Well, I've noticed there's a bunch of dirt work right on the south edge of that pond, and I've been curious for a couple of weeks. like wonder what's coming in well this week as i was going down center point road i see there's signs and i got close and i got excited we are getting a new coffee shop i think yes Yes, And I had to call my wife and said, Barbara, guess what? All of that dirt works, a new coffee shop. And it's on our end of town this time. And it's right on my way to the office. This is such good news. And I sent out an email to all of our Faith Bible Church staff. And I sent out an email with a link to my kids and said, guys, guess what? We're getting a new coffee shop. Oh, I was excited. It's good news. You know. If I can get that excited about. A new coffee shop in town. Just think about. The good news. That we have to get excited about. When we are talking about. The difference. Between being enslaved. To fear of death. And being able to have joy. In every circumstance. Knowing that we serve a God. Who is in absolute control of our future. Who is working the events of history. Toward a day. When all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. Will be together forever and ever. And Jesus Christ will set all things right. There will be no more injustice. There will be no more pain and hurt. That there will be a day. When broken relationships will be healed. When all of the. Things that make life so hard here. It will be corrected. And Jesus Christ will be reigning here on earth. And we will be free to worship him. With brothers and sisters in Christ. Now that's good news. And when Daniel was willing. To simply talk with others. In this case Nebuchadnezzar. About what God's plan is. Even though Nebuchadnezzar surely had his handmade God. When Daniel was willing to talk with Nebuchadnezzar about who the God is. It drew Nebuchadnezzar's eyes to him. What a privileged position we have as well. To simply talk with those in our webs of relationship. About our hope in God's eternal plan. And when we do that. Some will push it away. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 14 and 16. Some will just push it away. It's the smell of death to them. But others will be drawn to the picture of the true God. And what his plan is. And how his plan centers on the person of Jesus Christ. Who died for us and rose again. If you're here today and and you don't know for sure if you are right with God or not, we encourage you. One of our leaders here at Faith Bible Church, one of our elders, will be back in a room directly behind us called the prayer room. And we've got some material in there we'd love to put into your hands. You could just say, hey, can I have some of that material that Steve mentioned about how to have a relationship with God? And in the first chapter of that book. You can just take out your Bible. Look up passages of scripture. That help you know for sure. That you can be right with God. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you are here today. You just want to spend some time in prayer today. encourage you to head back to the prayer room. And just spend some time praying. Father we thank you for your love. We thank you that you are in absolute control. And you are directing history. Toward your end. When Jesus Christ Messiah will sit on David's throne, ruling over your kingdom forever and ever. A kingdom with no end. We praise you and praise you in Jesus' name.